Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Comfort Zone. I am your host, Joe Barksdale. Uh, for the first time visitors as well as the repeat offenders, thank you for checking us out. This is a mental health podcast that looks at mental health through the lenses, through the lenses of the arts and the well, the arts. I was about to say the arts and the sciences. But <laughs> mental health is the lenses of the arts. Um, in particular, music, sports, and comedy. But we branch out into other forms of art and all that, too. So um, this is not a replacement for therapy conversations. Maybe therapeutic in nature. But I'm not a therapist. Um, neither am I. And neither is our guest. All right. So I'm going to start off with the feelings wheel. Uh, right now, I feel... I feel hopeful. Yeah, I just got out of a uh, therapy appointment. So, uh, I feel hopeful. And with that, I'm going to introduce our first guest. Why did I say our first guest? This is the only guest on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce Jordan McDonald. Now, as usual, I am introducing the guest, and then they will tell you about themselves. And then the feelings. Y'all know how this goes. Jordan McDonald. Hello, hello, hello. It is I, Jordan McDonald, um, the wonderful unicorn. Today on my feelings wheel, I am feeling confident. Stuff has been moving and grooving in my life. Uh, life feels really cool right now. I have a lot of things going for me in stand-up comedy. I'm a stand-up comedian here in Austin, Texas, and mm-hmm. things have been moving and grooving. I just got off of a, like a two-and-a-half-month run of producing shows out of the domain all of the shows sold out except for, for those one. of y'all that don't know the domain is an area in North Austin. Yeah, comedy club. Okay. Yeah, it's an area in North Austin. Uh, there's a comedy club uh, that was uh, uh, running out of uh, the Brass Tap that mm-hmm. recently closed down, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I'm a comedian here in Austin, Texas. I perform a lot. I perform around the state of Texas. I perform outside of the state of Texas. Rock and roll, baby. Uh, and today I'm feeling super confident. I'm feeling good. Nice. Feeling great. Jordan is funny. I mean, now that I think about it, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I could interview a comedian out here that I didn't think was funny. Like, what would we talk about? I, I know, right? Know. I know, right? Thank you, man. You funny, too. You funny, too. I, I remember seeing you. I was like, that is the largest, funniest man I've ever seen. This is <laughs> I dope. I appreciate it. This is dope. Yeah. <laughs> I remember um, I'm big into animal science, and I was like, that's like a rhinoceros doing comedy. It's dope, bro. <laughs> Yeah, because you know, like a rhinoceros, like a a rhinoceros looks like you could almost hug them. You know, like a rhinoceros looks like it wouldn't like, like stomp your whole like, like Like house down. It wouldn't attack you like a hippo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a hippo looks like yo. A hippo looks like it's gonna headbutt you. But a rhinoceros, something is very like sweet and warm and 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 you know like uh, approachable about it. Yeah, like rhinoceros say more to defend than attack. Yeah, you know, rhinoceri. Yeah, rhinoceri, rhinoceri are just like a, a almost they're they're like unicorns, you know. They're like unicorns. They got That's the whole true. horn and everything. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um Hey, that's <laughs> Sorry, that's true. Um boom, I wanted to boom. ask you so you said unicorn a couple times. Yes. Where where did that come? Oh, and I tell you like I tell everybody else, if any of these questions get too like you know, like I don't want to talk about that. You can just not. You can just say you don't want to talk about okay. it. Okay, I'm pretty open and pretty um, self aware enough to where I don't feel like I, 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 there's so a lot is, of things. This is that why he's on the show. I'll talk but, about. Yeah. Okay, so where'd the unicorn persona come? Would so it be a persona? Or no, it's not. A, it's not really a persona. It's more so more so of a lifestyle, honestly. Because unicorn, uh, it stands for an. It's an acronym. Uh, because I spell it U N I X O R N instead mm-hmm. of the traditional way with the C. And what the acronym stands for is uniquely never imitating extra or redundant nonsense. Hmm. And so what that means is, you know, everybody else has already taken. um, There's no reason to emulate anybody else. There's no reason to do the same nonsense that's already been done and continues to be done within, you know, comedy, within music, within the arts, within, um, you know, culture and pop culture and popular culture and stuff like that there's Mm -hmm. no reason at all to repeat any of that stuff because it's already been done and everybody wants to be you know stand out and be different 
but hardly anybody's really being themselves to the fullest degree. And so what it means to be a unicorn is really to just be who you are as a person to the fullest degree and not really care about what the hell anybody says or thinks about what you're doing. And a lot of people at first aren't going to get it. Like this unicorn thing I've been running with, mm-hmm. I've been running with it for at least five to six years now, and it's just mm-hmm. now catching on. Okay. Um, you know, and so everybody thought it was goofy. And the at, at first, the whole persona, especially with like men, and we're talking about mental health, like it would be like, oh, unicorn, that, that, that's gay and stuff and mm-hmm. shit like that. It would be people would approach it with that type of energy. But I didn't care. Like, whatever. Y'all are lame. Y'all just aren't unicorns. And now it's finally catching on. And now people are recognizing me with unicorn stuff. And so. Bro, um, and that's a great that's a great example of what I talked about. This was in an interview a couple interviews ago, but the short term, long term consistency beats short term intensity, and that is like a definitely. real life example. Most definitely, yeah, man, and it, it's cool now because I remember not too long ago, nobody really was associating it, or. They they just weren't connecting with it or they, they really didn't understand it. But now it's kind of like, oh, you're the unicorn. I remember one time I was out and somebody literally approached me and said, hey, you that unicorn nigga that be telling jokes, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, bro. That's me. That's me, dog. That's me, bro. That's this me. is my mom. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. So what would you say that, like, it takes a certain vulnerability like to be, you know, you at all times. Like, would you consider that? Like, yeah, most you know, definitely, wanna... man. Especially being a, especially being a black male in the South in Texas, because you know, I mean, I grew up, I grew up on a on a cattle ranch. I grew up on a black okay. Angus cattle ranch in Sherman, I did not Texas. Know that. I'm as I'm as about as truly Texan as they come. Okay, you know, I was not raised in this cute gentrification Texas. I was raised in the boonies of Texas. Um, true redneck stuff, middle of nowhere type energy, you know? Yeah. And so, so I'm a true Texan to the degree, but I dress very flamboyant. I guess you, some people would say very extravagant. I wear a lot of colors. I wear a bunch of crazy designs. I I wear a bunch of jewelry. I shop in the women's section. I don't know. Like I just, I just do my own thing. I'm very comfortable with myself. Um, But it took me a very long time to become comfortable with myself. Honestly, it took me, Man, up until I was like 27, 28, and I'm 29 now, you know. So it's it's a it's really a kind of a new energy that I've I've stepped into a a, a different sense. level of comfortability. But yeah. uh, there there's a lot of I, you know I but I this is how I feel comfortable like dressing. This is how I feel comfortable looking, mm-hmm. and I don't feel comfortable if I am doing what I see everybody else is doing because for some reason my mentality behind that is well if everybody's doing it is honestly not that great because so many because I know so many lazy people and so a lot, bunch of lazy people do what other lazy people do and so if you mm-hmm. see a bunch of people doing the same thing I feel like oh there's a certain level of laziness within that that I don't want to step into because I feel like that is kind of you know uh lowering my own energetic level to a I degree that. that I don't want it at, you know? Yeah. And so I'd rather take the time to go and find some really funky, fresh stuff out of Goodwill that's been thrifted and stuff. And, and I don't take the time to care about my wardrobe and how I'm being presented to the world, especially as a comedian, because there's a mm-hmm. certain type of persona that I've had to create, even though it's all me, it's all authentic. It's all comes from a very true place it's a sort of character and persona that I've had to create um, in order for myself to succeed as a comedian, but also feel comfortable enough to where, okay, I can be vulnerable to strangers every single night, but at the same time, I still feel like I have um, myself protected uh, and my my own self energy protected. Would you consider yourself introverted or extroverted? I consider myself neither. I'm a unicorn. Okay. I'm neither introverted or nor extroverted. There's times where I mean I can I can be completely alone for a very long time to the mm-hmm. point where it's unhealthy. And okay. I can also go out and be around and be social as long as I need to. But at the same time I need that recharge 
time okay. by myself. Like I, I definitely, I, I don't need the be out and be social, but I definitely need the go back home, be alone, recharge, being your own energy. But I don't consider myself neither introverted nor extroverted. I can, you know, I can groove into any energy and feel comfortable. I feel like, you know. So you like energy fluid. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm very big into flow. I'm very big into the 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 sensation of flow because, you know, I'm from the country and they teach us in the country, if you see water and it's not flowing, do not drink from it. You know, stagnant water, you don't drink from. And so yeah. I, I just like to feel like I'm in flow. You can be in flow when you're completely, completely alone and you can be in flow when you're with people. And I feel like comedy is all a flow. And so you can you know, be performing and get into a flow state when you're performing. And it's almost like you, nobody can teach you how to do that. Mm-hmm. That's just something you have to find out for yourself. And once you find it out, it gets easier to get into those flow states, you know, more consistently and uh, more, um, uh, you know, smoothly. So what got you, what got you into comedy? Man, I wanted to be a comedian my whole life, honestly. Okay. Uh I can remember being a so I'm gonna start from like the genesis of it. Uh, I just remember being a kid in Sherman, Texas, and seeing Will Smith on TV, and just thinking that's what I'm gonna do. And I, it wasn't even necessarily like, oh, I'm gonna be an actor, I'm gonna be this. I just remember seeing him on TV and feeling like, oh yeah, that's something that feels like is me. And I remember my uh, my parents. And I, one night when I was young, I'll never forget this. We watched the Sinbad special and I thought it was like absolutely hilarious. But the thing that really, really was like, oh no, I want to be a comedian was Dave Chappelle's Killing Him Softly. I remember I was on the school bus and there was this uh, kid on the bus. He had an iPad, iPod touch, one of the first iPods with the screen or whatever. Mm. And he had Killing Him Softly downloaded uh, on bootleg from LimeWire on his iPod touch and he gave me a headphone on the, uh, the seat of the bus. He gave me the headphone and I had one in my ear. He had the other in his ear and we watched like the first like 25 minutes of it. And I was like, what the hell is this? Went home, downloaded that shit on LimeWire. <laughs> and I would literally watch that special so many times. I just watched it over and over and over and over. And I remember like, yo, I want to do this, but I was so scared to get on stage. It took me, I remember I I watched the special when I was 16. It took me until I was 25 to finally get on stage. And then it took me until I was 26 to really take it serious and do it every single night. Because the first time I did it, the first time I did it, I did okay. But the second time I did it, I bombed so bad that my confidence was hurt so like hard. I didn't perform for over a year. For those that don't know, bombing means nobody's laughing. Bombing means bombing means not not that anybody's nobody's laughing. It means like yo, I am I am having an internal crisis right now, and I don't know if anybody can tell or not. But yo, this shit is not dope. This is hurting my feelings. I want to cry, but I'm a fucking soldier. I'm not getting off this damn stage until they show me that fucking light. And I stayed on there, and I took those bullets, and I took those hits. And after that, I was like, man, fuck comedy. I'm never doing this shit again in my life. And then fast forward a year later, May 2019, I was uh, supporting uh, supporting a friend who uh, was on a comedy showcase, and they had an open mic afterwards. And uh, he said, yo, man, you should sign up. And I was like, nah, bro, I'm good. You know, I just came to support. And he said, yo, bro, don't be a bitch. And I was like, come on, dog. Like, can't do that right now. You going to do that? All right, cool. Signed up. I did. Okay. He actually recorded it. I watched it recently. I did complete shit compared to what I'm doing now. But sure. I did okay for the time, you know? Yeah. Uh, because that was only my third time ever doing stand-up. And that was my first time in over a year doing stand-up. So technically, that was really my first time really doing stand-up. But I remember there was a comedian that was touring with Conan O'Brien there that night who was on the showcase. And he saw my um, open mic set. And he uh, he was smoking a cigarette on the patio. And I was standing out there. And he uh, came up to me. And he was like, yo, man. You're good. You got to figure it out. But this is something that you could do uh, seriously. And I was like, well, shit, OK, I guess I'm going to do this. And that's that's how that's how the first domino really got hit. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I've really been just completely obsessed with um, performing and, and doing stand up comedy. But 
wanted to do it, really, really, truly wanted to do it since I was like 16, didn't do it until I was 25, said fuck it after the second time. And now it's, I'm coming up on my third year of just consistent rock and roll um, energy towards comedy. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, you consider yourself like an artist, right? Oh yeah, most definitely. Most definitely, man. Easily, yes. So do you find that there's like something that just makes you feel good on the inside? Dare I say like therapeutic with certain like jokes that you, you know, write or, you know, bits that you Well, even all of it, man, because I mean, at, at the core of it, even past the fact that I'm an artist, I'm a performer. Okay. And, you know, I, I am a performer to the core, you know, I've studied theater I feel like that's one thing that honestly makes me a better comic because I know the technicality aspects of being on stage and which helps a lot, which people don't even realize um, how much that helps and how much that can really elevate your stand-up comedy. Uh, But I'm a performer at heart. And so it's, that is, I've never really felt like I had a home until I got on stage. Okay. You know, and it's not, and that was even before doing stand up comedy because I, I've been getting on stage for since I was a teenager, you know, because I, I, I come from a dance background. You know, I, I was doing music, I was performing live music, I was emceeing dance competitions for two years. You know, I, I love being on stage and being on stage. It feels like nobody else is there except for me. And it feels like I have all the freedom in the world to do whatever I want. And it feels like, oh, I'm at home, I'm protected right now, nobody can stop me from you know being free right now and so and and that's the thing man if i don't get on stage if i don't perform i'm miserable Mm. i i am not going to be in a good place mentally i'm not going to be in a good place emotionally spiritually Mm. like i have to be on stage i have to be in front of strangers i have to be sharing these thoughts and ideas that i have where do you think that comes from Honestly, it comes from it. I feel like it comes from mostly something spiritual because I don't even sit down and write stand up comedy. I get jokes from when I meditate. I get jokes from when I'm doing yoga. I get jokes from when I'm taking walks. I get jokes from when I'm consciously breathing. I get jokes while I'm showering. Mm. I, I, I do not know how to sit down and write jokes. I don't get, I don't even know how to write jokes. Everybody says, you know, it's set up and punch and set up and punchline, set up and punchline. I don't know what the fuck that means. Mm hmm. I just know I just know that I've been funny my entire life and I'm translating that into a stage performance. So but that's that, what I mean. Like you were saying like you need to be on stage. Like do you think that that's just how you how you've always been or do you think that that's like a subconscious response? It's how I've always been because I can remember it it's and it, to a degree my ex would say it's narcissistic, but it's like yo when I was a kid I would imitate my dad or my uncle or my grandfather and, you know, my mom or dad or uncles or aunts or whoever was there would be watching. And I just remember feeling when I was doing these characters, when I was performing, even just for my family, just seeing them laugh, seeing them smile, just did something to me that I knew was right, that I knew, okay, this feels right. And it's always been like that. And I've, even in my friend groups, like I'm the one who's usually like talking the most and, you know, cracking jokes and stuff. And I'll get into a flow. And that's how I write jokes, too, is when I'm just talking to my friends and I'm talking shit mm-hmm. and just seeing people laugh and smile and be happy because of something that is coming into some part of my brain. That's like, oh, say this. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, causing a literal, physical, audible reaction that is ultimately positive, you know? Mm-hmm. And it that right there is what because we're we're as humans, I feel like we're meant to help in whatever way it is. And I just know that my way is to help through entertaining people, through making people feel good from my own antics that go on in my brain, you know? Mm-hmm. It makes sense. So two unrelated questions. You said that you play music. Um, what type of instruments do you play? What type of music uh, are you into? A and then, oh wait, I think I just lost him. Ladies and gentlemen, we just lost Jordan. Uh, 
I'm gonna be right. All right, so we back. Um, quick commercial break. Uh, so you said you played music. What type of music are you into? What type of instruments do you play? That'll be the first question. I ask the next question next. Word. The music that I'm into, I have a what one would call, I guess, eclectic taste in music. My dad is a Vietnam War vet. My mom was right was born in the fifties as well. And so I was raised on a lot of old music from the fifties and sixties and seventies. My favorite era of music is the sixties psychedelic rock and roll era. You know, mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix, uh The Doors, um, Santana, Meatloaf, uh that that type of energy. But I, I listen to all types of energy, of, of, of music, even country. Mm-hmm. People say they listen to all types of music. I even listen to country. I don't listen to polka, but who really listens to polka? You know, who, yeah. who's out here is jamming polka like that? Uh, <laughs> A crazy person. No, I'm just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, if, if you just out here, like, jamming polka casually, dog, I, I got questions. I got questions, son. Big questions. But I, I listen to a lot of a lot of different types of music. Like, I just recently went to Reggae Fest. Um, in Austin, and that was a lot of fun this past weekend. Okay. Um, reggae music hits way different live. You know, there's something. It's there's something with the energy of reggae music when it's live. It it feels you can feel the spiritual aspect of it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because um, reggae music is mostly like I mean, in terms of Rastafarians. And sorry to cut you off. In terms of Rastafarians. Um, it's pretty much like their praise and worship, right? Yeah, yeah, kind definitely. Of, it's a very religious yeah. type of music, honestly, mm-hmm. um, especially with the subject matter that they talk about um, mm-hmm. and just the Rastafari religion itself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I love one of my guilty pleasures. That, well, one of my not so guilty pleasures. I'm not guilty about this shit at all, dog. I'm going to see their concert May 4th. <laughs> um, Heim. The band Heim, bro, it's these three Jewish sisters from L.A., and I am absolutely fucking in love with them. That's Their music up. is incredible. Their album, um, Women in Music Part 3, what the fuck? Part 1 and Part 2 didn't even come out, bro. What the hell? How they have Part 3 in it so far? Uh, it's, it's rock and roll, but it's very... Okay. It's is rock Heim and short roll. for Heim? No, nah, bro, that's their oh, last name. It's just, yeah, okay. no, no. It's, it's just, Where's my brand? I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, I love Kid Cudi, of course. You know, I, oh I love my Jimmy. God, Hendrix. I love Kid Cudi. Oh, Kid Cudi's. What's your favorite Kid Cudi album? Oh man, uh, Man on the Moon Two, Journey of Mr. Uh, Ranger. Dog. Yeah, that. Yeah, every, that was that was the fan. album that made me just because I boycotted Kid, the first uh, Kid Cudi album because you like soundtracks was, of my life. No, 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 no. I, I love it, but uh, I love it now. But when it first came out, I was in high school and everybody was like, Kid Cudi, Kid Cudi, Kid Cudi. And I was like, oh, man, fuck Kid Cudi. Because everybody was on his dick. And I was like, yeah. oh, I'm not going to join into this uh, stuff. And then I remember the very first time I smoked weed, I uh, heard uh, I heard Mojo So Dope from Journey of Mr. Uh, Ranger. <laughs> and I was like, nigga, what the fuck is this? Yeah, hold shit, hold, hold on. Slaps. What the? What? What? And yeah. then, bro... After that, it was history. It was history. K. Cuddy, um, the greatest, nice. bro, the greatest. I actually Michael sampled. Jackson, Prince, you know, Bob Marley. Um, I love rock and roll, man. There's there's this band from Australia called Ocean Alley. They're super dope. They're like psychedelic beach rock. Um, okay, and it's cool. It's it's all white dudes, but the lead singer is this mixed black dude uh, with dreadlocks uh, from Australia. And I don't know, seeing 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 black people with Australian accents or British accents or Accents other than the general American accent is so fucking cool to me, bro. I, I honestly talking about love the hood that. accent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, oh, man. That's funny. Just for the that's people funny. who don't know what he's talking about. He's talking Yo, about the that hood accent. Yo, that is funny. That is funny. Not- <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's true. So what instrument, what instruments do you play? Oh man, the uh, the only instrument that well, I, I guess I technically pl- I have two. I play one mainly. I play uh, electric guitar. I have an okay. Epiphone SG. That's right here in the back. I know okay. the viewers can't see it, but that's my baby. That's Gypsy Rain right there. I got her during the pandemic. Nice. I'm left-handed too, so one of my goals is to play Jimi Hendrix in his biopic because yeah, when Andre 3000 played Jimi Hendrix in the biopic, Andre 3000 was a great choice for Jimi Hendrix. Just the writing sucked. They didn't get any 
license or rights to use any of the music in the film. So there wasn't a single Jimi Hendrix song in the fucking Jimi Hendrix movie, which yeah, is like, bro, what are y'all doing? How what what are y'all doing? But I Andre feel did like a good job. Yeah, yeah. Andre did a great job, but also I've read two of Jimi Hendrix's books and they Which they, ones? Uh, I read Excuse Me While I Kiss the Sky, which is honestly the best one. Uh that one was written in I think seventy eight? Mm-hmm. Seventy eight or seventy-nine. And then I have another one. I can't think of the name of it, but um this one was written by his road manager, his ex road manager. Yeah, I read um, that which one was too. A, a dope insight. But I honestly feel like that's my destiny is to play Jimi Hendrix in a, a movie. Because um, I, I, man, fuck Hollywood. I I used to be an actor and stuff. Well, I, I'm still an actor, mm-hmm. um, but I, I did the whole um, you know Hollywood chase and you know, the actor thing out there. And I, I got to do some pretty cool projects and stuff, but at the end of the day, man, fuck Hollywood. They have shitty writers and they have no fucking creativity. And it's just a bunch of white men in suits that are dictating um, black people's stories, which I don't like. Um, but that's, that's neither true. here nor there. But I, I, I honestly feel like I'm supposed to play the best Jimi Hendrix film and I'll probably win an Oscar for that shit and then do some like dope OG shit um, and, you know, slap somebody like Will Smith did and get boycotted Shit. for fucking 20 years. Nah, you may be able to go on a t- Well, the whole band is dead. But, like, if you play Jimi Hendrix, if you actually, like, you know, learn the songs and shit like that, I guarantee you you could go on a tour. Yeah, like, that would, yeah, that would, yeah, that would be crazy. I can play uh, the, uh, I can play it decently, the riff for um, uh, uh, Purple Haze. I can, oh, I can, I can play that opening Hendrix. riff. Yeah, word. Teach you Jimmy Hendrix. That was the first, like when I first le- started learning how to play guitar. Um, I mean, you know about the blues and you know about gospel music. Oh yeah, music. of course. And I'm like, oh, this sounds the same. Like I want to. My very first, very else. first concert was a blues concert. I saw Buddy Guy. There I you was go. Fourteen years old. There you go. Yeah, and, it I'm, was and I'm like, I'm not trying to just play blues all the time. Yeah. And then I saw Jimi Hendrix live at Monterey and I was like, oh, shit, we're learning these songs. Hell yeah, so hell yeah. I, that's how I pretty much learned guitar, like his first three albums. <laughs> I oh, just yeah, whipped each song. Um, it's, it's, they're so, those first three albums are, are incredible. I agree. It does absolutely incredible. Like, there's never any black guitarists on the Experience Hendrix tour, <laughs> except for Buddy Guy. But like, I don't know. I just know like if I was... I don't know. That should always piss me off. Anyway, no, I, I feel. I, no, trust me. I feel that. I, 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 I definitely know uh, what you mean. Yeah. So I said. So I'm kind of like egging you on to <laughs> to, to really learn, learn those those and songs get, the, and yeah. get these songs right. together. We're gonna Yo, get you Joe, singing. I'm gonna do that for you, bro. I'm gonna do that. I appreciate for that. You. I appreciate that. I and it's not know. because I kidnapped a family member of his. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of that, are you close with your family? Uh, yes and no, I guess. I'm okay. close to, because, man, I'm one of six siblings. Um, okay. And when you have that many siblings, bro, you're not going to like everybody, honestly. Keep it That's real. A lot of different um, personalities. It's too many different personalities. And our age groups are way, like, my oldest sister, how the hell, how old is she? She's a, she's like 41, 42. My youngest sister is 20. Oh, it's last 25, 24, something like okay. that. Um, yeah. And uh I it's so it's always interesting, man. Uh, because during the pandemic, during the first year of the pandemic, when everybody was in quarantine, I was living in California at the time, so I wasn't allowed to do a fucking thing out there. Okay. I wasn't even allowed to go outside for a minute. Yeah, that sounds you know? depressing. Oh, it was terrible, bro. It was illegal to be at parks in California. Yeah. So I was just sitting in a fucking apartment in my patio and smoked so much weed. That's um, real. Yeah, seriously. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. Is I was just about to say, you eat. do what you can, bro. You got to, I mean, at a certain point yeah, in bro. time. Um, but now during the pandemic, man, I the, during that first part of the pandemic, when I was just, you know, in the apartment with my um, current ex, uh, I did a lot of unpacking of stuff I had thought I was fine and good about but realized that i wasn't in stuff that was still affecting me um from childhood and stuff and man being honest man it, it uh majority of 
my memory, not saying I had a bad childhood at all, you know, and my parents did the absolute best they could with what they had. Mm-hmm. But the majority of my uh, childhood memories aren't the most pleasant ones. And most of them are ones of me being yelled at about stuff. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And so whenever shit would happen in my 20s, you know, pre-28, 27, um, whenever things would happen, you know, there were, it was almost like there was voices in my head that weren't mine that were yelling at me. Mm-hmm. Because that was like the That's thing that I was... Yeah, conditioned to hear when something went wrong or I messed up on something. It's, oh, shit, I'm getting yelled at now. And you think that contributes to your anxiety? Oh, yeah, definitely. Most, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, and so I had to do... Story arcs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, so I had to do a lot of, a lot of unpacking, a lot of internal uh, internalization um, and exploring inside during the pandemic and I realized, oh, a lot of this, you know, energy and voices in my head that aren't mine are coming from my, that of my my mother and my father. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, honestly, coming to understand that has, you know, kind of allowed me to, oh, break that wall down. Because I'm like, oh, shit, this is what the fuck's been happening mm-hmm. for, you know, my entire 20s. It's not even my own voice that's in my head. It's not a, it's, and it's the reason why I'm hearing negative things in my head is because I was told negative shit in my head as a adolescent and as a kid and stuff, you know. And so that's and that just kind of carried on because I never really had anybody to um, unpack it with, or even knew that I needed to unpack this stuff in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so you know, within <clears throat> that, you know, kind of made me realize, oh, oh, snap, like. You know, I I love my parents, but at the same time, I was a very like I felt very misunderstood, and I didn't, I never felt heard, I never felt heard, and I never felt like anybody ever listened to me or took me serious for a, a very long time. And honestly, it wasn't until comedy started popping off for me is when I felt people finally were listening to me, um, which that. also also contributes to my love of comedy because it feels like. The only time people actually seem to give a fuck or listen to me is when I'm being funny and talking about stuff or whatever like that and performing comedy and performing. It's That legit seems like the only time people are going to listen to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to the, the original question, like I, I am close, but I'm not like that close because there, there honestly does come a lot of hurt from like my family and stuff you know that's real well i mean yeah. and i guess i say this my parents are not in my life at all uh yeah. i mean shit really parents grandparents aunties uncle like i yeah i mean you know i didn't want my kids to be like me is yeah you know and i know that it was the best thing for me and i like i do like i don't hate my parents but like I even remember being like 18 and saying, you know, like, oh, mom's calling and having like panic attacks. Like, oh my God. Yeah, man. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, man, I was, yeah, I was doing that do like in, in my, in my twenties and stuff. And it's like, man, I, I don't hate my parents at all. I love my parents like dearly and stuff. And, but I, I, and I, me. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I remember I was, I literally like told my mom all this, uh, not too long ago, but about a month ago. And she said, you know, I'm sorry that I ruined you. I was like, you didn't ruin me at all. I turned out fucking awesome. What do you know? I'm not. It's, it's. It's. There's no resentment. There's no like hard feelings or anything. I'm just telling you like how I felt, and it's not. And the thing is, man, it seems like a lot of people, or not even that, man, not even a lot of people, just seem from my perspective, man, it would be, it would be an issue or a certain type of like burden for how I was feeling about something. And one thing that. I've come to find out is, man, like your feelings are valid. Yeah. You know, it's not illegal to feel how you feel. There's nothing wrong with feeling how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel how you feel. and There's nothing wrong with that. But I always in the back of my head, there was something that was telling me that wasn't even me. That didn't even plant this voice into my head that was telling me, yo, you're, it's not right to feel this way. Yeah. Suck that shit. Stop up. feeling how you're feeling and feel a different way, even though this is how you are organically or naturally feeling at this moment right now stop feeling that that feeling is not valid when in actuality all 
feelings that you have are valid feelings because you're having them in the first place, you know? Yeah. Unless you feel that Kid Cudi's a bad artist, that feeling. Yeah, then no, you're I'm just, just... <laughs> yo. I I remember I told somebody at a comedy show, an, another comedian, that um, Kid Cudi's my favorite artist. And he was like, yeah, but that uh, Speed and Bullet to Heaven uh, album was dog shit. And I literally I was, was like, bro, don't. Don't don't do this to me before I get on stage. I will fight you before I get on stage. The fuck! I don't disrespect. What? Yeah, I, I dug it. I dug it. it. What? Speeding Bullet to Heaven is a great album. I, yeah. Psh, psh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, obviously, that, there's that, a lot more. If guitar. you have that feeling, you're just not even a real human. And I don't know uh, if you even deserve to be on this planet. All right, ladies and gentlemen, those uh, Jordan McDonald's thoughts are oh, no. <laughs> they, they do not reflect the. <laughs> They're not a reflection of. <laughs> Of the Comfort Zone podcast. This is not a reflection at all. I will say this um, because I do feel like I owe it to like my guests. Like, you know, um, you were talking about having that conversation with your mom. At least you were able to have it. I tried to set mine up with my mom like a day prior. I mean, it was through text, but, you know, it was still had. You know, Uh, it was was through text. My mom told me she was comfortable in her pajamas and couldn't come. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, no, I, I it, get it's that. weird, man. And like my pops, like I'm, like I have a interesting relationship with my pops, you know, because I mean, he he's been there my whole life and stuff. My parents got divorced when I was twenty four or something. You know, I was I was an okay. adult by the time they got divorced or whatever. But my dad, man, like my dad influenced me a lot, but he also. um you know, he's he's is is not even his own fault. He's just, I mean, he was he's a Vietnam War vet, and so I feel like if you went happened. through Vietnam, you you know, a lot happened, and so he always has seemed extremely emotionally distant. Which I mean, I get, you know, you were in one of the worst wars, is that, you know, but and you were, but something happened, you know, a young black man in in the military in the sixties. He's from so, Texas you know. too. No, he's from New York. He's from Brooklyn, New okay. York. Yeah, so he and he no, he's not from the south at all. My granddad's from Alabama. Yeah, the, the dude that I met, like the dude that I knew growing up, like did not look like the dude that were, I saw in the pictures. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah, before, man. I don't know what happened, and I mean, you know, thank you for your service to all of y'all. Um, but yeah, I've noticed that, like, cats, especially Vietnam, like cats come back like. Uh, yeah, man. When my themselves. dad got back from Vietnam, yo, he uh, cause my dad's told me a few stories. Um, he'll he'll randomly when I when I, when I do see him, he he will randomly go into a story that is just like, what the hell am I hearing right now? And then mm-hmm. he'll stop and go, I've never told that to anybody. So you he know? doesn't he doesn't uh, believe in like therapy or anything like that. No, 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 my pops isn't on that. He's old school, bro. He's old school. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I remember one, one thing that he did, like he, he has like, com- he is comfortable like telling about, talking about this story. Uh, when he got back from Vietnam, all the noises in New York drove him crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he locked himself in his apartment and his uncle had probably like, you know, 500, 600 acres in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And his uncle came and got him and my pops lived in the woods um, with a dog and a rifle in a tent for about three months uh, on his uncle's land um, to, you know, get back down to earth and be able to go back into society. Because my dad, I mean, you know, he's he's successful. He's worked in corporate America, um, you know, majority of his life or whatever. But he's very, like, I've never heard him say I love you to me, which I, I know he does, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, I've never questioned if my dad loved me or not, but. I've never heard him say it ever, which, mm. you know. It's, it's hard, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's and it's not even like a, I don't know, I, I, I don't, I, I feel indifferent about it because I'm like, well, I know the motherfucker loves me. I, I don't, you know, he raised me and shit. You know, he didn't dip out on me while mm-hmm. I was growing up and shit. We don't talk a lot, you know, but when we see each other, it's always cool. You know, mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't seen him in over a year, but it's, you know, we we are coming out cool. of a pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And my, my pops is old too. And so it was like, and his job, like he actually was literally, his job was to watch the numbers for COVID. So he was mad COVID paranoid because he was watching legit 
to the exact number, how many people were fucking dying and getting sick and doing all that every single day. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, you know, getting back to kind of being like cool, being around people and stuff again, you know, so, and that's part of the reason why I haven't seen him in over a year too, you know, so it's not even like, oh, we just not seeing each other niggas motherfucking pandemic going on. So you said your dad is successful. How yeah. do you define success? Uh, how do I define success, man? Mm-hmm. Honestly, being in a good headspace. Okay. So it's internal. Yeah, I feel like su- success is more so internal. Um, and, you know, how you feel internally will reflect how you feel, what your life is externally, you know. I um, think that. <clears throat> yeah. And so, so, yeah, he's, you know, he, uh, I mean, I, I was, one thing my pops did tell me, which honestly scared me and is part of the reason why I go so hard, um, like I work so hard with, you know, comedy and what I do. I remember I was 21 or 22. My family at the time, they were living in North Carolina. Um, and we had, we, we've always had farm animals and stuff growing up. So, uh, I was out in the pasture feeding the horses with my pops and he, I remember he was smoking a cigar and he told me if I could go back and do it again, I would do it way differently. And the thing I would do different is I would never work for nobody. I would only work for myself. I would figure it out. I would, it would be harder, but I would figure it out and I would just work for myself. And I heard that at 21, 22 and that shit completely changed my life. That shit was one of those things where it was like, yo, Fuck working for somebody. Turning point for you. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck somebody else's dream. That's not mine. Mm-hmm. Forget all that shit. I, I have to figure it out. I have to figure out what it is I want to do. And honestly, I just wanted to figure out a way that I can get paid from just doing me and being me. And so what are, what are some of your dreams? Man, my dream, I'm living my dream, dog. I'm I'm a fucking okay. stand up comedian, you know? Like and like I, I, I feel like I've made it. It's just like now all the other stuff is just falling into place. It's just taking the steps because, you know, you you buy the fucking Harry Potter book and you get a chapter in and you you know it's gonna end, but it's mm-hmm. like yo, I gotta read these next fucking twenty eight chapters or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. So, but I have the book. I've, I've, you know, I've, I've, I have it in my hand now. It's just about reading the the, the pages and stuff. Would you consider yourself mentally healthy? Now, yes. Uh, I you say, I do you speak like a very mentally healthy person. Yeah, because yeah, I yeah. I was not mentally healthy. You know, I had to. I man, my twenty first birthday. I remember I was in college. I remember waking up on my twenty first birthday, and literally the very first thought that I had was, "You're not gonna make it to twenty two. I give you eight months max, bro. I give you eight months max." And having that thought. A week after, I went uh, to the counseling center on campus, and I was like, yo, I need some help. Mm-hmm. My brain is not my friend. My brain is not on my side, and I don't believe that I'm going to make it to see my 22nd birthday. And whenever I did that, I went to the the counseling center on campus. I filled out this long-ass questionnaire, and within filling out this questionnaire, Seeing all the marks that I had, I was like, damn, nigga, I'm really crazy in this bitch. Like, I am legit fucking crazy, bro. And then I would like what, to take the then, opportunity to say that no one is normal. Bro, <laughs> bro. No and then normal. on top of that, like, I can remember, I'll never forget this, bro. I, I will never, ever, ever forget this. It was this sweet old Southern Belle lady. You know, she had, she dainty little, like, country woman, right? Hi that, there. You know, yeah, exactly. Exactly that voice, bro. <laughs> exactly that voice. Uh, she looks like her favorite artist is Dolly Parton and shit. Like, exactly <laughs> that, bro. She is, bro, I'm sitting in her office, and she's looking at my list. She's, like, flipping through the pages. And she looks at me, bro. She looks at me and goes, um, your case is severe, hon, and you're going to need yourself some help. Like, <laughs> a, like, a lot of help. And I was like, yo, what the Like, fuck you ain't leaving. She- like... Yeah. No, bro. This is how this is how severe I'm I'm putting up quotation marks too. This is how severe my case was. She literally told me like we don't have anybody in our office that's qualified to handle like your case. And so I actually had to be sent to an outside source mm-hmm. um uh, to an outside like 
center to go to I mean, therapy. Which is honestly the best because like who I mean, who yeah. you gonna get at your college? A student? Like Yeah, a, but no, some... but see here's the thing though, bro. Here's the thing. In the middle, bro, it that's the thing. It wasn't the fucking best because in the middle of my fucking therapy sessions, bro, probably because I had to do at least a year. Like I legit had to do at least a year. They're like, yo, if you don't uh with, with the same thing. Like if you if you go missing and stuff, like if you like don't contact us and stuff, like we'll have to call people and all that. Do, 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 do. And I was like, all right, fuck, I'm trying to avoid that. So let me just, uh, my idea was like, oh, fuck it, I'll just do this shit for a year, whatever. Bro, three to four months into doing therapy, um, I get switched therapists randomly because the woman that was my therapist was doing some program and like she finished or moved somewhere. And so they just like switched therapists in the middle, like four months in. And so now my trust is broken because I'm like, man, right. fuck, I don't want to like, I just told this woman all this stuff and now you, you're telling me, yeah, y'all gave her the paperwork, but she still hasn't sat with me mm-hmm. for these past three, four months of my first time ever doing therapy. So I'm not comfortable. So what I'm going to do is I'm a fucking actor. I'm just going to like tell y'all enough to where y'all leave me the fuck alone. And like, that's just that because like literally my trust felt broken. And that's why I haven't been back to therapy because I was like my first time I did therapy and then my trust got fucking broken because they just randomly switched therapists up on me and we're like, oh, be okay with it. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, granted, I got through therapy and I'm still here. So I guess something must have worked. But at the same time, uh, you know, it was like, ah, oh, and I didn't feel better. I was just happy I didn't have to go to therapy because I honestly did not like it mm-hmm. um, when I was in it. And so by the time I got out of it, I was like, OK, well, I'm a little bit better. Um, but it was years and years of just working on myself and working on you know, how I talk to myself and working how I feel about myself. And honestly, if it wasn't for the pandemic and having to sit down for an entire, cause I, I'm one of those people where it's like, if I get uncomfortable, I'm gonna start doing stuff. I'm gonna start working on something. Mm-hmm. That's just my things. Like, Oh, I'm going to start working to distract myself. So I don't have to think about this. Then if I'm not doing anything, I'm going to sit and my brain is just going to feel like it's attacking itself from the inside out. And I'm going to have a fucking mental attack. Um, but if it wasn't for the pandemic and having to sit down for a year straight and legit unpack all the voices in my head, all the 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 things that were affecting me from being a child, from being a teenager, from being a young adult, you know, it I wouldn't be where I am now with mental health and stuff. Because now, man, like, you know, on my days off, you know, I woke up this morning, I, uh, I, I rolled a J. Uh, but I did an hour of yoga, you know. I For those meditated. who don't know what that means. No, I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a J is short for joint, but no. Nah. <laughs> yes, yeah. But, you know, I, I rolled my J. I made uh, I made my, my fresh herbal tea. Okay. I did an hour of yoga. You know, I meditated. I played my guitar for about an hour. Um, you know, and, and that's, those are the things I have to do to like, okay, I'm going to have a good day because I'm, you know, I'm taking care of like, my, my physically I feel good because I'm stretching. You know, I feel like mentally I feel good because I'm meditating and so you have a self care routine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. My self care routine. This is man like has a self care routine. There you go. Yes, get on it and like get on it. It it comes to a point where it's like habitual and it's like, oh, if I don't, if I start to feel like shit in the middle of the day, do I do I ask myself, did I do my, you know, self self care? Have I yeah. have I done anything, um, in regards to like self care for myself? And if I feel like shit, the answer is generally no, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's I, I I've never felt this like good consistently. I dig that, and I'm happy you know, for like, it. Like it's dope. It's been dope that it's been this consistent. And you know, that's not to say I don't get sad from time to time. Yeah. I still get, still feel sad about some things, but it's not anything that's like, oh, now I'm. You know, I'm having a full blown mental breakdown mm. and, you know, my, my brain is like tripping out. I am delusional. Yeah. Yeah. I still have delusions sometimes. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I, 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 I have, I have about like two to three mental breakdowns a year, keeping it honest. Um, that's real because little shit will man stuff will sometimes like trigger me like bro the last month i produced a show it sold out um but it just did not hit to where i needed it to hit and after the show i never really got a chance to to kind of exhale 
and sit down and breathe and reflect. And it felt like a bunch of people were pulling me in different directions and I wasn't listening to myself and I was following like people to places I didn't really, it wasn't anything bad. I just like did not want to be there. And then, you know, I go to one place and as soon as I step out of the car, I literally hear something in my brain say, yo, we're about to fucking shut off. Like this is, we're about to Mm -hmm. break down and you need to get the fuck out of here. And so literally I was probably there for three minutes. I called a lift and, you know, I I started hyperventilating out in public. And so I, I don't like being seen in public in that type of mental capacity, mental state. And so I felt myself hyperventilating and I was like, man, fuck, I just got to get to this car. Mm-hmm. I just got to stay cool, like talk to myself, stay cool, just breathe, just consciously breathe through my nose, like hold on. I get back to my apartment at probably um, 1.30 a.m. and I'm literally pacing around my apartment for two hours straight because I can't calm down. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can't, I'm hyperventilating, I'm wheezing, I'm freaking the fuck out. And it's like, I don't know, like, what to do or I don't I didn't I didn't know like necessarily a coup to call because it's like yo um I don't know because it, it when when if you've never had a mental breakdown or an anxiety attack it's like whenever you call somebody sometimes they don't necessarily know how to yeah. react to you freaking the fuck out on the other end of the phone and sometimes their energy can actually heighten you know the, the energy the that you're feeling yeah and so that's like you know, not necessarily needed or whatever. And so I just, I just paced around for two hours straight. I couldn't even like, I was so like intense. I couldn't even like, like try to roll the joint to calm down or anything. I just was pacing back and forth mm-hmm. two hours straight, two hours straight till fucking three thirty AM. <clears throat> and then finally my body was like, we're tired. Like we we're we're tired enough to where like, we can't be up anymore. And then mm-hmm. I just fucking passed out. Um, but that was the first one of 2022, and you know, I'm, it you know, kind of slid around. But I was like, okay, no, we still out here. But it, it, now it's at a point where I'm in my mental health, where I feel like I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, that was a good little check in. We, we cool though. Yeah, you know, that was that sounds fantastic. Like if I told you what happened, <laughs> <laughs> if I told you shit I did earlier this year. You'd be like, hey, dog, you need to be back in therapy. Fuck this. Hey. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, like it is a, it is like a source of pride for me. Yeah, that I have not broken anything else this year. Yeah, but yeah, like I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm right there with you. And even as you were talking about, like you know, who do you call? I don't even have nobody. Like I don't, I don't have nobody to call. Like, and it's not, yeah. not saying that like, oh, I don't have any friends, but just like you don't, like you said, it's like, it's a different, like especially with people it. that don't deal because i remember the first time i had an anxiety attack was 2018 and i was like oh i think this is an anxiety attack like this is not something that i've and honestly part of the reason why where my anxiety comes from is working in entertainment okay um and bro i i i I totally get why kanye has some of the moments that he's had bro i fucking understand it because it's like yo for me I I hold myself to a very high level and I'm not going to accept anything under that level that I hold myself to, especially with my own stuff at mm-hmm. all. And, you know, honestly, watching the the Kanye documentary on Netflix solidified it for me. Yo, th- I've been talking to myself like this for years. I just don't talk about myself like this out around people because people are, like act weird and stuff whenever you like feel a certain like high level of confidence for yourself. They're like, oh, you're a narcissist or, oh, you're just arrogant or whatever. It's like, no, I fucking believe in myself and I want to take this to the biggest level. Just because you don't feel like that or you don't see that for yourself, don't try to shit on my feelings about how I feel about my craft and how much work that I put into this. And so it's like, I get the extreme fucking mental breakdowns because it's like, yo, we are essentially we're fucking letting our complete guard down, allowing people to throw the spears, throw the fucking tomatoes, throw the shoot us, do whatever the fuck they really want to do to us. Cause really there's nothing stopping anybody from getting on stage and knocking us the fuck out. Will Smith showed that shit. 
You know, we're literally. I'll beat your just, fucking ass if you step on stage. Yeah, I'll beat your ass yeah, if I'm I mean, at a yo, show and you step on stage and it's a comedian I know. Like, yeah, I, I, but I'll I'll pick up the mic stand on the motherfucker. Come up stage with me. I'm I'm getting nightstand. I'm I'm spearing you in the chest, nigga. Fuck that. Yeah. But you know, we're we're just actually allowing... I'm suicidal. Come attack me. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bring a knife. Like, dog, what happened? He Make ran up my on stage. Fucking day. Make Joe my tossed day. a loaded gun fuck. at I've him. I've been like... waiting, bro. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for this shit, bro. This is the Grim Woo! Reaper. I hope so, nigga. The fuck? I hope, I hope so. so. I hope I've been so. calling him since. Well, but yeah. I ain't playing no games. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but no, nah, it's like I. But honestly, man, like it comes with it. And I feel like, bro, after my first anxiety attack, I was like, yo, I got probably a lifetime of these shits coming on. Because it's like, yo, I'm going to put myself in front of strangers every night. And I want to perform in front of 5,000 people for 30 cities, you know? Mm-hmm. And I want to do this, like, and I, I want to be on more TV shows. And I want, because I've already been on TV mm-hmm. shows, nigga, you feel me? I want to be on more movies because I've already, been, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, you know, congrats. Like, I, had to, I, I realized I had to slight flex sometimes, you know, just, just nah, it, it's not like a slight like, flex. Okay. It's just you stating the facts. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, stating I facts. Mean, yeah, it's just no, these are, the these facts. are true facts, man. I've, yeah. I've been on some things. I've been on some cool things. Uh, my face has been on the, uh, I was on the homepage of Netflix for about a month, bro. There you go. Promote yourself. My man's got credits. Magic for humans. You this know? okay. Now this is the stuff that I'm talking about when I say like, oh, I don't introduce people. I let them introduce themselves. Yeah, like that's the stuff you. Yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. Okay, I'll drop. I never because what man. Okay, so th- I'll, and I'll tell you why I don't really drop credits like that because when I was in living in Hollywood and living in L.A. and doing that whole thing for three years of my life, three and a half years of my life, man. Every time you're around actors and every time you're at like a, a party or an event where it's nothing but actors, everybody's like, oh, I worked with this producer and oh, I just got off set with this person and oh, I just got off. And it's like, yo, I don't give a fuck. Are you actually a cool person or are you just like, you know? I understand. And so that. that's and to be why honest I with don't. You, it's the, for the same reason. I don't like for the yeah. same reason because it's like you feel like you just being some kind of one of these assholes that you yeah, see yeah exactly but yeah. yo James Cameron knows who I am James Cameron recognized me on the red carpet because I was okay. in his movie Alita Battle Angel directed by Robert Rodriguez and James Cameron came up Wait, to me what? and he was like yeah yeah, hold up yeah, yeah, yeah. bro I, I love Alita that Battle movie Angel. Yeah, I'm in Alita. I'm in. Nice. Uh, I, so I'm I'm a featured role. I'm not just I'm not uh, a background. I'm a featured uh, role, and I'm one of the ones that's running around with uh, Hugo and uh, Tanji or whatever, beating up the cyborgs and selling the parts to. Um, Dog, is that like, why you look so familiar when I first saw you on stage? Yeah, that makes sense. I've seen Alita probably like 10, 12 times. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah bro, wow. it, was, it was incredible. I was at the premiere in twenty nineteen in Santa Monica. And I, there is, there's a scene where it's three faces on screen and I'm one of the three faces on screen. I'm right next to Hugo and Tanji or whatever. Bro, I'm going to go um, tell my wife. We saw that movie together. I'm going to go tell yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and bro, yeah, that it honestly was one of the fucking coolest things ever. And, uh, but yeah, that was, you know, quick, quick That's little uh, credit drop. Yeah, but I, I've, I've done some things. I've been on, uh, I was on Magic for Humans. I danced on an episode of. Comedy Central's um, his uh, Drunk History. I was on the History okay. of Hip Hop episode. Um, what else have I done? I'd be forgetting some of the things. I've this man's got credits. Yeah. My man says I'm, he's forgotten more than y'all have on y'all. No, I'm just playing. He didn't say yeah. that. I'm <laughs> saying that. No. But that's what's up, though, man. That's uh, yeah. It, it it's pretty cool. Um, oh yeah, and I've I'm the face of Mike's Hard Lemonade's. Uh, seltzer campaign. I did yes. Mike's Hard Lemonade's uh, seltzer commercial. That shit's running for like two years, I think. Yes. I um, love Mike's Hard Lemonade's. <laughs> yeah, bro. I, I remember, and they're stronger than beer. They're so strong, but bro, and when you throw up, it's sweet. Uh, <laughs> when right, you puke, uh, it's just lemony and sweet. We're going to have to so have a conversation about moderation. <laughs> about <laughs> hitting the no, stop Mike's Hard Lemonade is one of those drinks where like you drink it when like you're at you know the pool grilling and stuff. You know, you were friends, you're grilling because you don't. I don't. I don't know anybody that just casually buys a Mike's Hard Lemonade. But you know, if you're, <laughs> <laughs> I do. You're the first person in the world I've ever met that casually buys Mike's Hard, Mike's Hard Lemonade. Well, every time you buy one, I'm not getting paid because that shit was uh, non-union. But it's still cool. That's what's up. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I'm actually going to New York in June for uh, the premiere of a 
short film that I did. Yes. Uh, but, no, I don't uh, feel, no, I don't feel as bad. Woo! I yeah, felt bad yeah, when yeah. I had to put... So Jordan's going to be on a show that I'm uh, producing um, at a barbershop in Pflugerville. And I just had to push his show back because I was going to New York. But now that he said he's going to New York later on, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't feel. No, I no. still feel guilty. No, <laughs> I don't feel so guilty. bad. Don't, dog. don't feel guilty, dog. Don't feel guilty because you know the the craft. Like sometimes you opportunities just come. You just like yo, I just gotta I gotta go with this this opportunity yeah. over this one. You're right, you know? and you know what? And it's not like I canceled the show. I just pushed it back. So no, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, I'm not a bad. I also person. did a Gibson guitar commercial last year. Nice. For, the Gibson Garage in Nashville, Tennessee. So, how often do you play guitar? Like, where, where would you say you're at in terms of like? Uh, so, I I purchased my guitar August 2020. Okay. Um, during the pandemic, and I honestly play at least like an hour every day, every day, or at least five days a week. Um, what kind of stuff are you working on right now? Uh, so I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing Heim, I guess, because their concert. <laughs> Makes I've been learning like Heim songs and shit. Okay. Um, I learned uh, the chords for an Ocean Alley song that I really dig a lot. Uh, I've been learning a lot of like more like chords and stuff like that. Um, I've been learning like simple solo techniques, like like uh, the six note solo thing. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I just kind of find I'm like, oh, I like this song. Let me look it up on. Uh, on the what's what's that tablature guitar, guitar tab yeah so one of the what the, i think it's, they got an app it's called tabs but i know what you're talking about yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's I like got black app. and yellow yeah, the, yeah 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 the black and yellow guitar tabs yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, i'd find the tabs on there and or the chords and you know do my best to because some of these ta- some of these chords i'm like what the fuck yeah we gotta we gotta get together on a guitar level because i can show you that kind of shit yeah like, sweet I, yeah are you left-handed? Yeah. Do you play lefty or? Nope. But it'll oh, just look man. like an in-the-mirror reflection. To yeah, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that'd you probably I mean? be easier, honestly. Yeah, when I've, I've, I tried to play guitar when I was a teenager, but at the time, all they had was right-handed mm-hmm. uh, instructional videos, and my parents weren't about to give me no fucking guitar lessons. That's uh, Yeah, and so it honestly just gave me a headache because I was trying to translate something completely backwards at their pace of somebody who's thinking from somebody who has, who's right-handed. Yeah. Who's not there. Um, and so you. it, yeah. But then the pandemic, all I had was time. So I just, I, I learned from musician first. And then after I got used to musician, I just started looking on YouTube and different um, guitar tabs and learning how to do tabs and chords and stuff like that. Oh yeah. We got to get together. I can show you some shit. Yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. Um, last question. What are your, goals shit not die <laughs> honestly <laughs> <laughs> but we all gonna die like, yeah well yeah we'll not die anytime soon or from some dumb shit for myself yeah you know? but time like, is relative so like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so what's a, yeah, oh, like, man, like a comedy uh, goal or an yeah. acting goal well you already said Bro, the acting goal uh Man. Okay, you already answered the question. Technically, I'm I'm badgering the witness. Yeah. Well, no, because like I like because I because man, goal. There's so many goals that you're gonna have in your life, you know. And yeah, honestly, but like, which like, one came to your mind when I asked you what are your goals? Nigga, not dying, bro. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which one came after? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want to live. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. stay right uh, here while I call therapist. <laughs> 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 Yo, because man, like honestly, like keeping it real, like I this is I and I said this earlier, this is the most consistently happy I've ever been in my life. Mm. And yeah, like, of course I got like comedy goals. Like I want to I want to tour. Like I want to I want to be a road comic. I want to be a touring comic. I want to fucking perform at the Apollo Theater. That's my dream stage. Mm. I want to perform at Madison Square Garden. You know, I want to fucking sell out a tour. I want to do a special in 2 years. And, you know, I, I want to work with Jordan Peele because he's a mixed black dude, too, mm-hmm. that works in comedy. You know, I want Dave Chappelle to see me perform. There's so many goals I have, you know what I'm saying? But, nigga, I just want to live a long life of a lifelong existence of 
creativity mm-hmm. through comedy because that's my craft because that is my that's my voice that's where my anchor is that's where my foundation is that's where you know comedy has opened up my world to a completely different level that nothing else has even come close to and I've only been doing it for 3 years now mm-hmm. and a few like Eight months ago was the very first time I ever got paid for comedy. And now I'm legit paying like my bills with comedy and stuff. You know, I still got a day job and shit, but comedy is legit helping me pay my rent, pay my electric bill, pay my phone bill, buy me weed and shit. Like, it's great, you know, Um, getting me free weed too. But yeah, man. Talk about so that it's too. like running nobody, Bill Cosby with the free weed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Did I just say that? I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what? It's my podcast. Fuck man, that's yeah, the thing. I said that's it. What but also, man, it's like I feel like, man, if you lace I don't. It's, it's a lot of effort to lace some weed. And it's like, yo, I smoke weed. It's like, I, I there's something wrong with this. I don't know. That's right. I don't know, Playboy. Right. You know. I'm the same. Uh, right. But yeah, like man, I, there's there's so many goals I have, but man, I just I just want to live a really cool long life where. I'm making people feel good through being funny. And, you know, on stage, on film, it doesn't matter. I just want to make people feel good. Jordan McDonald, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Jordan, boom, boom, boom. Is it Jordan McDonald, the unicorn, or the unicorn Jordan McDonald? Uh, no, just Jordan McDonald. Uh, you know, the unicorn shit oh. is separate. But it's My bad, y'all. It's Childish yeah. Gambino. Sometimes I'll go, uh, you know, Jordan McDonald, the wonderful unicorn. But, you know, that's that's a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, Jordan McDonald, the wonderful unicorn. I like that. Oh, boom, 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 I like boom, that. Boom, My daughter loves unicorns. Oh, yeah. Like, everything she gets. Unicorn, like, can bro. we get a unicorn? Bro, don't make unicorn everything. Here's the thing everything. about unicorns, dog. Here's the thing about unicorns. I'm about to All right, hold on. on wait, wait. Some... Oh, uh, y'all, we done. We out of here. Yeah, we done. Of, yeah, the, y'all want to hear yeah. more, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you about this unicorn shit. Bro, here's the thing about unicorns, bro. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.